today we're going to look at our spiritual walk. So how, how many of you really have a handle what a spiritual walk is? It's one of those phrases, isn't it, that we use. And I think it's one of those phrases that when people first get born again and we talk about things, there are all kinds of things that we have. We have this little dictionary of Christianese, don't we? Uh, and there's, there's things like where you talk about, how's your walk going? Don't know, really? One foot in front of the other? There's, there's things like the anointing. Uh, and you know, what, what is this anointing that people... When I came into this ministry and got saved, everyone was talking about the anointing. I had no idea what the anointing was. So I went and looked it up in Strong's, and I still had no idea what the anointing was. <laughs> there are these things that we use, um, and they come from Scripture, a lot of them. But there are these things that we use that become part of our language that I think sometimes it's, it's good to go back over and unpick a little and say, well, what does the word mean by that? Uh, and I know when I was, when I was born again, I, I used to just hear a term like righteousness. I had no concept what righteousness was. So I'd have to go to the word and study and study and study and study. Uh, and eventually you kind of get a mental concept of what righteousness is. And then after a while, as you read the scriptures, it kind of drops to your heart. And you get a heart revelation of what righteousness is. And I think our spiritual walk is a little bit like that. So, if we go to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to go with this chapter where it introduces the fruits of the Spirit. And we'll start here. We're going to hop around a little bit today. So, apologies in advance. Okay, Galatians chapter 5. Let's just look at verse 16 for now. So Paul is writing to the Galatians, and in verse 16 he says simply this, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Very simple, isn't it? In fact, if we could master that one little verse, if we could walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, most of our problems in life, no, because some are just caused by other people, but most of our problems in life, I think, would disappear. You know, if we, could, if we could walk in the spirit and not in the flesh, then think about how the body of Christ would look. Think about how the church would look. If all the people were walking in the spirit, that would be a dream for the leadership, wouldn't it? And if the leadership was walking in the spirit, then that would be a dream for the people, wouldn't it? because we wouldn't be biting and devouring one another. So let's break that verse down a little bit and try and understand what that means today. So the first word I want to take there is walk. This, this then I say, walk. So the word walk in the Greek there is peripateo, and it comes from two, two root words, peri, which means to go about or around something, and pateo, which means to walk to tread or to walk about. So really what it means is to walk around something, to walk on something, to dwell in something with your walking. So I could walk around this room, you know that I would be kind of dwelling in this room, is where I'd be abiding if I was walking around the room. So walk in the spirit, the word spirit there is pneuma. If you want the strongest number, by the way, it's um, 4151 for pneuma and 4043 for peripateo. But the word pneuma is just a general word used in scripture for spirit. And it can be used of either the Holy Spirit or it can be used of the human spirit. So you know you have a spirit, right? In fact, better than that, you, you are a spirit. If that's news for you today, we'll show you that in a minute. You are a spirit. You happen to live inside of a body. 
but you are a spirit man and you have been redeemed. Your spirit has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you know you're going to live forever? Now, your body might die. Your body might get old and pass away, but your spirit is going to live forever. And if we do come to a place where our body dies, where we close our eyes down here and we open them again, and we'll still be there with him in his presence. So pneuma means a breath or a spirit. See, it was the spirit that God breathed into Adam when he made him out of the clay. He breathed the spirit, the breath, into Adam, and man became a living soul. So walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill. The fulfill there is tello, T-E-L-O in the English. So that's 5055 in the Strongs. And that means to make an end of a goal, to complete something that you've set out to do. Walk in the spirit, and you shall not make a fulfillment of, we could say, the lust of the flesh. So you guys would know what lust is, I guess. So lust, we tend to think of that uh, in a... Uh, in a physical sense between men and women and things. That's not what the word means at all. It can be that. But what it means is a strong desire. Walk in the spirit. Walk about in the spirit. And you will not bring to completion. You will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And then lastly, we take that word flesh. And that comes from the Greek sarx. Uh, and literally, it means the flesh of a living creature. Not, not a dead one. It's not the same as meat. There are two different words in the Greek. So if you, if you killed an animal and you had its meat, that's a different word to the living flesh, the flesh that contains the soul, the flesh that contains the nature of a living thing. So walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust, the desires of the flesh. So if we could master that, if we could actually master that verse and walk in the spirit, we could change the church and we could change the world and certainly we'd change our lives to begin with, wouldn't we? So today I want to look through the Word of God and we're going to pull apart what it is to walk in the Spirit and study it. So before we, before we go any further, you know, secularists would today say that we're just animals, wouldn't they? So secular people without the concept of God, without the concept of a creator, would say, well, we are just animals. We came from animals and we are basically just smart animals. Agree with that? So, here's a controversial thing to say. On one hand, they're right. So on the one hand, if we are living out of our flesh, then we are effectively just animals. We're giving in to the desires of our flesh. That's what animals do. Animals live out of the desire of their flesh. They live out of what their flesh wants to do. But you know, man was never made to be like that. The secular point of view is that man has ascended from the animals to become what we are today, very clever animals in their view. The biblical view is that man has fallen from a position of spiritual oneness with God, from a position of spiritual authority of God, from a position of fellowship with God, from being a spiritual being, primarily a spiritual being, and man has fallen and become primarily a fleshly being. That's what the fall, that's what the fall was about for man. So in the secular view, we have the ascent of man. In the biblical view, we have the descent of man until the cross came. Man fell from Adam's sin, and the cross came that we might ascend into God. 
If you turn with me to 1 Thessalonians, actually keep a finger if you can in Galatians, because we're going to go back there, a finger or a pencil or something in there. Um, but go to 1 Thessalonians, and we'll have a look at this scripture here very quickly. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 23, please. Now there's so much revelation in this verse, uh, and I would really encourage everyone, go and study this verse. Get your concordances out, study these words in the Greek and find out what they mean. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says this. It says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. This is Paul's prayer. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So scripture divides man into three parts. The spirit the soul, and the body. So the spirit is that same word, pneuma, that we came across just now in Galatians. Walk in the pneuma, walk in the spirit. And here, very clearly in Thessalonians, Paul is talking about our spirit, isn't he? I pray, God, your whole spirit be sanctified. Well, the Holy Ghost can't be sanctified. He is sanctified. He is the very definition of sanctification. So Paul is not praying that the Holy Spirit would be sanctified. He's praying here very clearly that our human spirit would be sanctified, set apart. I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul. So the soul there is the suki. It's actually the root word from where we get our psychology and things like that, the study of the mind, the study of the soul. So the soul is that part of man that is our mind, our will, our emotions. It's the mental part of man. And the body, the body is soma in the Greek which means, again, the flesh, the physical part of man. So we could put it like this. We could say, well, we are a spirit. We are an eternal spirit. We have a mind, and our mind is made up out of the interaction between our body with our brain and our spirit man. And we live inside of a body. You live inside of this thing. It's like an earth suit that we're wearing. And the purpose of the cross was to sanctify us on all three grounds, to sanctify our spirit, our soul, and our body. So I'm going to give you some scriptures just to, um, just to clarify a little bit on those. So if I was to go to, you don't have to go there, because I'm going to jump around a little bit. Romans 8 verse 23 talks about the body. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. So when you got born again, did you get a new body? Me either. It would have been nice. <laughs> but there's a day coming. There is a day when I get a new body, when I get the fullness of what he did at the cross for my body. When Jesus returns, my body will get changed. And yours too. In the twinkling of an eye, our bodies get changed and we experience that fullness of the redemption of our body. In the meantime, we have to look after it, and we can get it healed if we come before God and ask for healing for our body. He can heal us, and we see that. But we have to take care of our body if we want to navigate down here successfully. I'm going to go to Romans 12, verse 2. So again, you don't have to go there. And we'll talk about the mind. So let's look at the mind uh, and what the cross does for the mind of man. Romans 12 verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, 
but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, there's a, there's a difference between these two verses we just shared. One is future tense, so it's going to happen in the future. Our body will be renewed in the future. We'll have that redemption of the body in the future. This one is present tense. So with our mind, our mind is supposed to be going through a process of renewing. See, Paul didn't say, praise God, your mind was renewed when you got born again. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing, the ongoing process of renewing your mind. So how do we renew our mind? So how many of you, when you got born again, you got a completely new mind? Anyone? Some things will have changed. When I got, the day I got born again, I went home and slept peacefully for the first time I, could, I can remember. Things changed. But I didn't get a completely new mind. I didn't immediately understand all the things in the Word of God. I still don't. I'm in the process of renewing my mind in the Word of God. Renewing my mind to the things of God. I do that by spending time in His Word primarily by spending time listening to the things of God, reading the things of God, putting the things of God into my mind so that my mind is renewed by the things of God. Let's look at the Spirit, though. So you all know this scripture. We don't need to turn there, but I'm going to read it out. It's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. And it says this, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So we've established, haven't we, that our bodies didn't get made new when we got born again. True? Did anyone get a new body? No, would have been nice, but one day. Our minds didn't get completely renewed when we got born again, did we? We, we kept pretty much the same mind, but with some changes. And we'll come on to those changes in a minute. But our spirit got born again. It's the spirit of man that gets born again. When we accept Jesus Christ as our saviour, when we yield our lives to him, and when we commit ourselves to him as Lord, our spirit man is born again. Galatians 6 verse 15 says, for Christ Jesus, for in Christ Jesus, sorry, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. That's the thing that's important. It's being a new creature in the inner man. I don't believe, I can't see anywhere in scripture where someone gets born again, they get a new mind. I can't see anywhere in scripture where someone gets born again, they get a new body. But I can see all through scripture where people come to Christ uh, and their spirit man lives. Their spirit man is reborn and renewed and renovated inside of them. It's our spirit that's renewed. Romans 6 verse 4 says this, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So one of the things we're supposed to walk in, and we're going to talk about walking in the Spirit, one of the things we're supposed to walk in is the new life that he's put inside of us. You can do a, you can do a great study if you take that word life and go to it in the Greek. You'll find that word there is zoe. And, and it's just a Hebrew word, uh, sorry, a Greek word for life. There were several of them. There's suchi, there's bios, there's zoe, there's several words for life in the Greek. But that word zoe, the Holy Ghost seemed to pick on that word and say, I will use that to describe the life of God 
and the new life that he gives to his people. And if you go through the New Testament, you'll find that it's exclusively used of the kind of life that God has and the kind of life that he imparts to us at salvation, the resurrection life of God, the newness of life. So we're to walk in newness of life. So here's a question for you. If we're walking in the Spirit, and this is more one just to ponder for a few seconds, if we're walking in the Spirit, biblically, does that really mean that we're walking in the Spirit of God? Or that we're walking in what's in us, the new created Spirit that he put in us? Because I think most of the time we misunderstand that. See, he's put new life within, and we're supposed to walk in that new life. If we're walking in the Spirit, we're supposed to be walking in that new life that's been put in us, that spirit man that's been born again. I'm going to build on that. We'll come back to it. But actually, it's both. Because our spirit is born again by the Spirit of God. It's birthed from him. Romans 1 verse 9 says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit. See, Paul served God with his spirit man. It's his spirit man that he's walking in. He didn't say here, but praise God whom I'm served with my body or with my mind. He was doing that, but he, primarily he was serving God with his spirit. And his body just had to kind of tag along with what his spirit was doing. His mind had to go along with what his spirit was doing. He was serving God with his spirit. He was walking in his spirit. Romans 8 verse 16 says, The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So our spirit agrees with the Holy Spirit. It's made in the image, if you like, of the Holy Spirit. When we're born again, we're born of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who does the work in us. So our spirit and his spirit agree. You know, there is no disagreement in your spirit man with the Holy Spirit. And that's what Galatians is really saying. And we'll come on to it in a second, that the flesh and the spirit war against each other. But your spirit is on the side of the Holy Spirit. Your spirit wants to do exactly what the Holy Spirit wants you to do in your life. Your flesh has other ideas. And we'll come on to it. Okay, back to Galatians. So if you kept a pencil there or a finger there, you did well. Back to Galatians 5. So verse 16 of Galatians 5. This then I say, walk about, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill, complete, and give an end to the desires, the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You will not give um, in. You will not complete the thing that your flesh desires to do. So if we define that word flesh now, the flesh, when the Bible talks about the flesh, um, particularly in the New Testament when it's talking about the flesh, you could put it like this. The flesh is the body with the living nature, with the soul within it. It's the body and mind combined is the flesh. So we have a different word in the Greek for body. We have a different word for soul. But when the two of them are operating together, we call that the flesh. The flesh part of man. Everything but the spirit of man is the flesh. So this then I say, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts or desires, it lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. 
Now, when you look through Galatians here, you'll see in King James, they've, I, they've um, capitalized the spirit every time. So if you look at the word spirit, it's got a capital S because the suggestion is, and it's a religious belief when it was translated, the suggestion is that it's talking there about the Holy Spirit. But in the Greek, it doesn't say the Holy Spirit. There's no title there. There's no Holy Spirit. It just says the pneuma. If you walk in the flesh, the, the um, sarks, if you walk in the flesh, then you will not fulfill the desires of the pneuma. If you walk in the pneuma, you will not fulfill the desires of the sarks. So what it's really saying, I believe, and you can, you can use it either way, but I believe it's talking about the human spirit and the human flesh here. There's no indication in Scripture there that it's talking about the Holy Spirit. For the flesh desires against the spirit, and the spirit desires against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. In other words, there is a battle within us between flesh and spirit. Now, on one hand, it doesn't really matter, because if our spirit agrees with the Holy Ghost, and is made in his image, is made by the Holy Ghost then whether our spirit is wanting to do something or it's talking about the Holy Ghost wanting to do something, the desire would be the same, wouldn't it? Our spirit man desires to do the things that please God. It desires to fulfill the will of God. The flesh lusts against the spirit, desires against the spirit. In other words, it wants different things to that the spirit wants. And if you look at the works of the flesh, we're not going to read through, but if you read through from verse 18 on down to like verse 22, it talks about the works of the flesh. And then in verse 22, it starts to walk, talk about the fruits of the Spirit, the things that the Spirit brings forth. And we won't go through the works of the flesh, but it, we can simplify this. Our flesh desires very basic things. So if you talk about flesh being the mind and the body, well, our, our body desires things like it desires to, to procreate. It, it desires to, to eat. It desires to sleep. It desires to sometimes have exercise, have leisure time. You know the things that your body wants to do. We all have things that are, my body really loves fat and sugar. Loves it. And if you can put those together into something wonderful like a cheesecake that has fat and sugar in high, in high quantities, my body loves it. It's not my spirit that loves cheesecake. Honestly, my, my spirit doesn't care for cheesecake at all. But my flesh, my body, likes cheesecake. I'm not hinting for a cheesecake, I'm just... Unless you felt spirit-led. My, my body likes cheesecake. My body likes to sleep. My, my body likes to do the things that please it. My soul likes to do other things. My soul likes to ponder things. My soul likes to read. My soul likes to defend myself and, and get aggressive with other people when I feel wronged. You see, we have the body and the soul together. They make up the works of the flesh. And you have the works of the flesh spelled out here in Galatians. We won't read through them. But if we go to Galatians 5.22, we start talking about the fruit of the Spirit. So verse 22, but the fruit, but, in other words, forget the works of the flesh. Let's move on with this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So these are the fruits of our human spirit when it's regenerated. When you're born again, these are the fruits of your spirit. And they are also the fruits of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. 
I believe it's left vague in the Greek here for a reason. It's not titled whether it's the Holy Spirit or whether it's the human spirit. It just talks about pneuma and sarx, flesh and spirit. The fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So here's a challenge for you guys if you want to take something up. If you go through the New Testament and you search on each of these words and you, you can go into your concordance or something and look for each of these words, you'll find that each of these things are things that are given to man at salvation. The things already put inside of us or things that God imparts as we go through life. So let me give you, give you just a few examples of that. We'll take the first three. So uh, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says this. says, for God hath not, that's past tense, he hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. So has God put love inside of you? Yeah, your spirit man already has love inside of him or her. Your spirit man, when you were born again, love was put inside of you. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love. Power, love, and a sound mind. Romans 5 verse 5 says this, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, in our inner man, the heart there, the cardia, the innermost man. The love of God is shed abroad. It doesn't say the love of God can be shed abroad or the love of God will be shed abroad. See, in your spirit man, you have already received the love of God. Love is already in your heart. If we're not walking in love, it's because we're not walking out of the spirit man. We're walking out of the flesh. If we're upset with someone, it's because we're upset in our soul. Our spirit is not upset with that person. Our spirit doesn't contain hatred or anger or violence. Those are the works of the flesh. You'll find them in Galatians 5 there. The spirit contains love and joy and peace and meekness and temperance. Those things are in our spirit man. Romans 15 verse 13 says this. Romans 15 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. You see the joy and peace there? God fills us with joy and peace. He puts joy and peace inside of us. So these fruits, these are things that come out of our spirit. And if our spirit is connected with and bearing witness with the spirit of God, these fruits will come forth from our human spirit because our spirit has been born again. It's a new creature. Acts 13 verse 52 says, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. See, he's the source. They were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost comes into the spirit of man, when that new birth takes place, then joy and peace and meekness and kindness and long-suffering and all those things enter the spirit of man with him. Does that make sense? So the power of God at the new birth to bring forth this new man, this new person that we all become inside. And you know those days when you're just born again, when you've just come to the Lord, and pretty much no one around you can do anything wrong because you're kind of riding high with God. And I don't know if it's your experience or just mine, but you're almost like you're in this kind of faith bubble or something when you're just born again. And you know, whatever goes wrong around you, it doesn't really matter. And if someone treats you a bit bad, well, you just forgive them because, you know, you just, that's, that love of God is there. And what tends to happen over time is we just get a bit jaded. 
and we start to feel that it's okay to walk in our flesh again. It's, it's actually all right just to let the flesh out now and then. Because we don't renew that flesh. We don't renew the mind. We don't put it down and say, no, we're going to walk in the spirit. See, at, at its root, walking in the spirit is a decision. That, that's really what the root of it is. It's a decision that we make. You know the word decision? Uh, and I, I, I just love this. When I found this out, it's, it's been so, so powerful in my life. But the word decision means to cut off. That, that little deck there, the Latin um, root of that, means to remove. It's not very nice, but if you think about to decapitate, it means to take the head off something. If you, mean, if you take the word decimate, it means to cut off into little tiny pieces, to cut something into chunks. So a decision is to cut something off. An incision is to cut into. A decision is to cut something off. It's like you've got two ways of going, and you say, I cut off that way, I'm going this way. Or I cut off this way, I'm going that way. The other way becomes an impossibility. The other way becomes something that you've completely discarded. And so we need to make a decision to walk in the spirit, to follow the things that are in the spirit man and to put the flesh down. And it's an ongoing decision. There, there is no scripture I can see that says when you reach this, this spiritually lofty point, then your flesh will just disappear. I don't, I don't see it anywhere in scripture other than when he comes back because it says when we see him, we'll be like him. But all the time we're down here and all the time he's up there, we're going to have to deal with our flesh, aren't we? And so there isn't a prayer line that we could pray. You know, if, if we had a prayer line right now and said, well, first of all, come out, everyone, if you want to walk in the Spirit forevermore, never walk in your flesh. I would be a fool for giving such a prayer line. I would be a fraud for giving such a prayer line. And you, you guys would look at me, because you've all seen my flesh from time to time, and you would know I was a fraud. And you would be a fool if you came. You know, half the church is full of prayer lines with people running for things that they can't possibly get. Because the word of God is very clear. Either they've already got them and they've got to walk in them, or it's things we're not supposed to have. And it's like, you know, could I give a prayer line to say, well, you'll never be tempted again. Just pray God that temptation be removed from your life. No, the Bible says you will have temptation. You're going to have it. I can't pray that God will remove it. No one can. You can pray your way through it, and you can walk your way through it by walking in the spirit and not walking in the flesh. But we have to make that decision. You know, if, if as a body of people, if, and not just us, but the church generally, if we were to choose to walk in the Spirit, we really would change the world. Genuinely, the body of Christ would change the world if we walked in the Spirit, if we showed Jesus to everyone we met. Because to walk in the Spirit means to do the things that Jesus would do. You know those little bracelets that were really popular a few years back? The W, what would Jesus do? WWJD. What that's really saying is walk in your Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you will do what Jesus wants to do. If you walk in the Spirit, you will reflect Jesus to the people around you. You know, if we walk in the Spirit, we wouldn't have division in the churches. We wouldn't have Christian marriages ending. We wouldn't have people hating each other and people getting angry and offended and churches splitting. We couldn't have those things if we chose to walk in the Spirit. If we walked in the Spirit of God, if we walked out of our own human spirit that's been remade, and if we gave the spirit preeminence, then we wouldn't do those things. We wouldn't fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'm going to take a really quick walk through scripture here. Before we do that, I just want to go back to the concept of the mind. So you are a spirit. You have a mind. 
you live in the body. Do you know that you can give your mind over to either the flesh or to the spirit? You can choose what you do with your mind. We have that authority. So, actually, let's go there. Romans, Romans 8, please. So, Romans 8, verse 6 says this. For to be carnally minded, the word there for carnal is sarks. It's the flesh. The same word we had in, in Galatians. To be carnally flesh-minded is death. But to be spiritually, pneuma, it's the same word for spirit, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal, the fleshly mind, is enmity, it's against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So the flesh or the spirit can rule in the mind. That's what verse 6 is saying. You can either be carnally minded, you can either have the flesh ruling in your mind, or you can be spiritually minded, you can have the spirit rule in your mind. To be carnally minded is death, and to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But that's, it's the same words, exactly the same words. It's the sarks, the flesh, and the pneuma, the spirit. You can either have the, the, the flesh rule or the spirit rule in your mind. So you see, we have a body, we are a spirit, and the mind is almost like the link between our two bodies. If you feel pain, if your body gets hurt, your mind screams at you about it. If you feel hungry, if your body feels hungry, your mind is the thing that will scream about it and try and work out how to get some food. And yet, when we come into the presence of God, you see what happens? When our spirit gets lifted up in praise and worship, what happens to our mind? Our mind starts to focus on the things of God. When, you know, I, I, this morning, I was in my flesh, having, having just gone through and gone back through over these scriptures. We were then struggling to get out of the house, and I was in my flesh. And when we got in the car, and actually got on the road, and I flicked on some praise music, within two minutes, I was in the spirit again. Our mind can flick between the two, like a switch. If our mind is troubled by what's going on around us, we can be in the flesh so quickly. When we get into the presence of God, when we get into the word of God, when we get into fellowship with the people of God, we can flick over into the spirit. And the spirit can start to reign in our mind. And my mind was then focused again on the things of God uh, and on his word. So the mind is almost like a car that either the spirit's driving or the flesh is driving. But we have to consciously choose which one we're going to listen to. Which way are we going to go? Are we going to try and live out the spirit or are we going to try and live out the flesh? So let's have this little walk of scripture. I'm just going to read these out to you. And we're going to look at different things in Scripture that reveal how we walk in the Spirit. So John 8, verse 12, it says, Then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk, it's the same word for walk, in darkness, but shall also have the light of life. So if we have Jesus, we have light to walk in. Jesus is the light that we walk in. He's the one we follow. Romans 6 verse 4 we read out earlier, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. We should walk in the new life that he's put inside of us. We have a choice. We don't have to. 
It's perfectly possible for us to be born again and not walk in that newness of life. We can be born again and still be a carnal Christian. That word, when we talk about carnal Christian, fleshly. Still be a fleshly person, even though we're born again. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is now there, sorry, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. See, if we're in Christ and we walk in the Spirit, there is no condemnation. Romans 8 verse 4 says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. You know, if we're walking in the spirit, we fulfill the righteousness of the law. We fulfill the requirements of the law by walking in the spirit. Romans 13 verse 13 says, Let us work, walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. So examples again of the works of the flesh. If we don't walk in the flesh, then we'll walk in the spirit. You know, we can actively decide to walk in the spirit, and we can also decide not to walk in the flesh. We can turn away from the things of the flesh. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 3 says, For we are yet carnal, we are yet fleshly. Same word again, sarks. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? In other words, Paul's saying, you're walking in the things of the flesh in the church. You're walking in the things of the flesh, in the works of the flesh. You don't have to do that. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 17 says, But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk, and so ordain in all, so, as so ordain I in all the churches. You know, God has put gifts inside of us. He has put a calling on every single one of us. If we walk in the thing that he's called us to, if we walk in the gifts that he's given us, we are walking in the spirit. We're not walking in the flesh. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. If we walk in the spirit, we need to walk in faith in God, in trust in God, and not by the things we see around us. Not being disturbed, not letting our mind be driven by what's going on around us, but instead believe in God and what God says. Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 2 says, And you have he quickened, that means to make alive, he's made you alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So before we were born again, we walked out of our flesh and we walked in the way of the enemy but Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them see every one of us has a purpose every one of us God from the beginning of time is able to look forward and see what we're able to do in him and choose things for us to do but we still have a choice whether we walk in those things that he's ordained or not. That's still up to us. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Do you know, God has good works for you to do. He has good works for me to do. But if we walk in the spirit, we can fulfill them. That's how we fulfill the plans of God for our lives. We walk in the spirit. 
Ephesians 5 verse 2 says, And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice unto God, a sweet-smelling savour. Colossians 1 verse 10 says that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. You see those good works there again. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Colossians 2 verse 6 says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Walk in Christ. Be like him. He's the light that we follow. Walk in Christ. 1 John 1 verse 6 says, For if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we do lie and not the truth. If we have fellowship with Jesus, if we have fellowship with Yeshua, then we will walk in his light. You, this scripture is very black and white. Well, it's black and white on my page anyway because I've not colored it in yet. But if we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. That's really strong. If we say that we're having fellowship with God and yet we're walking in the things of the flesh, it says that we lie. It doesn't say, if we say we're born again and walk in the flesh, it's talking about fellowship, relationship. If we have relationship with him, we will not walk in the flesh. We will not walk in darkness. It's not possible. You cannot have relationship with God, a living relationship with God, and yet walk in the flesh. So one way we can walk in the spirit is to develop our relationship with him, isn't it? Because it becomes impossible for us to walk in the flesh if we're in his presence. And you guys know that. We all know that. How many times, um, maybe I'm speaking from too much personal experience, but how many times would I come in here and I'm het up from the journey, I'm stressed because one of the children has done something that morning, I'm stressed because Rachel said something to me or I've said something to her that we shouldn't have said, uh, and yet you come in here and when you start to worship God and we make that decision, okay, I don't feel like this right now, but I'm going to walk in this, I'm going to worship God, and within seconds it falls off. Within seconds you're back into the spirit, you're back into the presence of God. 1 John 1 verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. You see that there? If we walk in him, we have fellowship. Um, 2 John 1 6 says, And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. We need to walk in the love of God. The love of God is the primary commandment of the Christian life. Walk in his love. So what does it mean to walk in the spirit? It means to walk after Jesus. It means to listen to our spirit man, because our spirit man is where we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. He bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. He speaks to our spirit. It means to not walk in the flesh. It means to fellowship with God and spend time in his presence. It means to fellowship with the body and spend time with each other. These are the things that will pull us out of walking in the flesh and into walking in the spirit. So how do we do it? It's not a prayer line. There, there isn't a prayer we can pray. There is no prayer in scripture that says, I, I pray that you will really be able to walk in the spirit. There's a commandment, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We have to crucify our flesh. 
Galatians 5.24 says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts thereof, with the desires of the flesh thereof. Romans 6.16 says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are, to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. We can choose whether we yield our mind and our body to the flesh or to the spirit. Ephesians 3 verse 16, Paul prays that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. See, he's the source. He can strengthen our spirit. He can strengthen us in the inner man so that the spirit is stronger than the flesh in our lives. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, But we all with an open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. When we spend time in the Word, when we spend time in His presence, the Bible says it's like, it's like you're looking at Him. And as you're looking at Him, you're being changed into His likeness. You're going into the Spirit. So, Father, right now we come before you. And, Lord, we do thank you for your Word. We thank you, Father God, that your Word cleanly divides between soul and spirit and reveals what is spirit and what is flesh, Lord. And Father, we thank you right now. Lord, I pray that people would just be inspired to go and do their studies, Lord, in the Word. Lord, give us a hunger. Give us a hunger for the Word. Let us be people who thirst after you, Father God. And Father, I pray that you would just quicken us by your Holy Ghost when we walk in the flesh. That we would recognize that it's our flesh that we're walking in. And Father, that we would choose as a body of people to walk in your Spirit and to walk in our spirits. In Yeshua's mighty name, amen. Amen. Bless you, folks.